Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise God. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. I pray, Father, that we would all have open hearts. I pray we would learn more, Father God, about your ways, that Christ would be formed in us, Lord God, that we'd be holy and beautiful in every way. Everyone said? Amen. Give someone a hug or a high five. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So I'm preaching again from 1 Peter, and it's chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, and it is actually about marriage. So we are going to talk a little bit about marriage. I went to a wedding last night, very timely, very lovely young couple in love. He said, I'm so happy to have met my soulmate, and... It was just so exciting to see them in love. Praise God. And someone said, give it time. And I did think that a little bit. It's a lot of hard work being married. But we're so romantic. We're so romantic. We live in an age of romanticism. It's, not, it's fairly new the way we're so romantic, you know. It's only the last few hundred years when the romantics started writing all these crazy poetries. Before that, you know, you see in the Bible, it's like, right, he needs to get married. Go back to his family and choose a nice, choose a good bride for him, right? So that'll be right. The families would arrange your marriage and they'd choose someone sensible. And I guess the kids had some say in it, I don't know. But you just, you know, got together with the right kind of person. Not a bad idea, actually. I told God I wouldn't marry anyone unless I had family pastor's approval. And they said, yes, praise the Lord. But we're very romantic. We're very strange when we approach marriage. I, I like a, a guy called Alain de Botton. He's a modern writer and philosopher. He wrote this little comment about someone who said this. I can't understand people who don't like chocolate. I went out with a guy once, Robert. I was never really comfortable with him, but I couldn't work out why. And then one day it all became clear. He didn't like chocolate. I mean, he didn't just not love it. This guy actually hated it. You could have put a bar in front of him and he wouldn't have touched it. That kind of thinking is so far removed from anything I can relate to. You know, well, after that, you can imagine, it was clear we had to break up. (laughs) That's sometimes how people approach who they're going to marry, isn't it? What do they look like? I mean, as if they're going to look the same in 10 years' time. How do they sound? He also says this. It's very easy to fall in love with people who we don't know very well, especially on a long train journey. We notice someone beautiful and we contemplate them as they're gazing out of the window. We start to create the perfect love story about this stranger, interrupted only when the beloved looks back into the carriage and starts up a dull conversation about the excessive price of the onboard sandwiches with the neighbour or blows his or her nose aggressively into a handkerchief. It's like, ugh, ugh. Real life suddenly interrupts our romance. 
And last night the wedding was full of romance and now the real life begins. But it's so strange because all of our literature and all of our movies, they just, they don't, they don't do marriage. They don't do love. They just do the introduction and then that's it. No wonder everyone gets divorced. It's like, what happens after the introduction? I don't know. You just discover that this person is real. They don't like chocolate. They blow their nose. It's like, how do you deal with the people like this? And so then, so what most people do is they go, well, this can't be right. I don't really love you. I went to someone, a second wedding a while ago. And the person said, I've never, I was never really in love before. And I thought, oh, your poor first husband. What a comment. So... God shows us what real love looks like. And in his word, he shows us some tools that we can use to actually have a good marriage, to actually love one another. And it's a decision. And you can see what the Bible says and you can obey it or you can disobey it. And if you obey it, you will find that you learn to love one another and you'll find you can have a great marriage. But if you really think that you're going to base your marriage on those romantic few opening lines that you gave one another or the little bit that happened in the beginning, if you're going to base your whole marriage on that, you're going to have problems. So we see in Peter, Peter tells us, and Peter was married, by the way, don't tell the Catholics, but it's true. Um, So Peter tells us what what marriage looks like and how marriage should be. So let's turn there to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1, and we'll start to read. Now, if you're married, this will be helpful to you. If you're not married and you're planning to get married, this will be great because you can learn in advance what you ought to be doing. If you're not married and you never want to be married, this will still be good because these are great principles about how to love one another. Is that you, John, is it? No plans? That's all right. Some people have the gift and some people don't. So that's all right, John. If you don't want to get married, that's fine. Paul didn't get married, man of God. He, he said, I'd, I think it's better not to get married. You don't have to worry about all this. So maybe that's John. Um, So 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the behaviour of their wives. When they observe your pure conduct accompanied by fear, don't let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on clothes. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. In this way, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord, whose daughters you are if you are good and are not afraid with any terror. So here we have the first concepts that will help us have a great marriage and that is for wives to be submissive ah all the feminists said (laughs) Ah, I I had my great weekly witness to someone on the phone the other day a a lady that I had met and um, someone had arranged for me to have lunch with her so that I could witness to her and I had lunch with her and then I followed this up with a conversation on the phone on Friday and I thought well I'll ask her to church um, because I'm preaching. She might like that. I, I figured that she was perhaps a little bit of a feminist. So she might like that I'm preaching. Don't know about the subject matter, but anyway. So we had an interesting conversation and 
she just talked about she was finding her own way and she was doing this. And I said, well, that's good to look for truth as long as we look for, for his way, for God's way, because he, he has a way and it's his truth we're looking for. And she says, yeah, well, right there, I've got a problem with that. I mean, you call God he. I've got a problem with that. And I went, oh. She said, I'm on a gender equity board and I just don't agree with calling God a he. And I was like, okay. I said, you're right, because God is so much more than male. He's above male or female, and, but we've got to just use a pronoun, you know. So we had an interesting conversation. And I then followed that up by looking up some, a quote. I found the worst quote I could from a feminist. <laughs> Listen to this. I feel that man-hating is an honourable and viable political act. Oppressed women have a right to class hatred against the men that oppress them. That was written in Ms. Magazine by Robin Morgan, the editor. So I'm like, oh, it's actually... Is that, I read some terrible quotes from feminists, I might add. And yet here is God just boldly telling us to submit and here am I preaching it. Women, wives, submit to your husbands. Whoa, what is that? It is beautiful. That's what it is. It's wives. It's not all women to all men, I might add. It's just me to Chris. I don't have to submit to Byron or anyone else, just my husband. It's putting yourself in the right position. That's all it is. It's a position. It's a position where I accept that God has created someone to be the head and I'm happy to be in this position. It's got nothing to do with inequality. God has created us equal in importance. God has created us equal in dignity. God has created us equal in honour. God has clearly said that we are joint heirs in Christ. God has created us in every way equal. I have Christ in me, has Christ in him. We are equal in all things in God's eyes, but it's just a different position. We all submit, and the Bible speaks about submission in all sorts of ways. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, submit to one another. We work together. Someone says, can we all please do this? We do. The Bible says to submit to the governing authorities. If the policeman says, stop, we stop because we submit to the police. It doesn't mean that I think the policeman is better than me. It doesn't mean that he's oppressing me and putting me down and I'm a second-class citizen. It's just not fair. It just means that I'm just submitting to the authorities because it makes things work well. And if we don't submit then things all get messy. You're a, lot, a lot of you here are teachers. You might have the headmaster or the headmistress and the teachers might just, he might say, we're going to do this and this and this this year and then you might just submit to that. doesn't mean he's even a better teacher than you. It's just a position that he might be actually better at running the school or she might be better at running the school and then he in turn probably has to submit to the board of governors. So we're going to do this, this and this. And he does that again. It's just a position, but it's a position that if you will take that position, you can be blessed, you can prosper. It's good to know our position. And in the family life, it's a lovely position to be in and God wants us to submit and flow in marriage because it just enhances the position that he's made us to be. It's given us, it works in the family. I, I read this great quote actually, let me see if I can... Find it out of order. June Carter, June Carter Cash. You know she was um, she was married to Johnny Cash, and she said, oh, "I can't find it. It'll come upon me. Sometimes I do things out of order." 
She basically said, I've always submitted to my husband in everything and he always lets me do whatever I want. She said, I feel very lucky to be married to a man like that. She said, I always submit and always get everything I want. And I thought, that's actually true for me. I'm really happy to submit. I'm really happy to flow with Chris. But I can't honestly remember not getting everything I want because we're not fighting. I'm not trying to force him into this position. I just flow. We, as you know, we've got a couple of foster children and we had one, they're staying with their nan and pop this weekend. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. So, every, every Saturday for the last several months, all through winter, we've got up very early to take Keelan to hockey and all the rugby or whatever we're doing. And um, it's always busy. And yet we've got a weekend off. We don't have very many weekends off. So on this particular weekend, Chris thought it would be a good idea to have a photo shoot at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. The one Saturday morning I've got off for months. The one time I could have actually laid in bed without children, without anything. I could have just, I could have just relaxed. But I had to have full hair and makeup and look nice by 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was really annoyed. I really was. I was like, seriously? The one Saturday I ever get off and you book me up to have to look nice by 8 o'clock. I was an insider. I kind of had this scream. I was so irritated. And I just went, I'm preaching on submission tomorrow. (laughs) So I'm actually going to obey my own preaching before I preach it. And I just went, I'm just not going to complain. I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to say, babe, I, I just so wanted to say, why did you have to organise it today? I mean, really, on the one day that I've got... I mean, I just wanted to sleep. And I just wanted so badly to complain. And I just didn't. Did I, darling? I didn't complain. I really didn't. I was so sweet. I was so lovely. And I thought... And Fiona was so sweet to be there for us. So I thanked her. That wasn't hard. But I was annoyed that we organised it. And I just... No. No, because that's submission sometimes. It's like not complaining, not taking the lead, not saying, you should have done differently. I should have been in charge. It's just... Be quiet, just flow, just go with the flow, just handle it. And then when I was upstairs, because I was in a rush, because, you know, I'm a woman, I have to make myself look good for photos. He just looks good the way he is. So I'm trying to wash my hair, blow dry, and and he says, can you, I said, can you iron this top for me? He says, sure. So he goes downstairs and he's very good at ironing. He's really, really good. Very good. But it was kind of synthetic and we went with the hot iron and, yeah, and I hear this, babe, babe, and I went, I'm thinking, I think he's just burnt my top. And he goes, babe. And then he comes up and says, oh, babe, I'm really sorry. It was just, I was really hot. And I just, and, and I went, he's, and I just remember thinking, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to go, that's all right, honey. Just accidents happen. But inside I was going, really? Really? You don't try it a little bit? How many times do I like that? And I was just like, that's all right. Wasn't I good? Did you notice? <laughs> Okay, so this is what submission means. It means just to flow along. I'm just going to have to... Actually, actually, you know what? It's actually the first time. It's actually the first time. You like? I promise I won't mention it all the time. It's really boring, but... So you do have to... Submit and flow and just give someone the room to be the leader. Give them the room. Give them the room to just be the leader. Take the rule. You know, when we first got married, I had to figure this out. I had to figure, what does it mean to be in this position? Because I knew that Chris wasn't better than me at everything. I knew he wasn't necessarily more spiritual in everything. 
But I just understood that I wanted him to have confidence to make decisions for us and be a leader and be able to move forward. And I had to figure out how it worked. And I remember I was with a friend. It was just a little thing, but I was with a friend. And our husbands went to get lunch for us. And she was very particular about what she wanted, very particular. Now, I want this from this shop and it has to be like this and like this and like this. So I said, okay, well, I want this, this and this. The boys went off. The boys came back. The shop was shut. And they both said, we couldn't get what you wanted, so we got this instead. And I remember just thinking, I was a little bit annoyed, but I just went, oh, okay. But she went off. She was like, but I told her what I want. And, he, and, he, and I just remember thinking, whoa, he's in big trouble. He got the wrong lunch. And she went off and she was very, very angry with him. And he was very just upset and he felt embarrassed in front of everyone. And so it was just generally an embarrassing situation. And I just thought, uh, he, she's making it impossible for him to make decisions in the future. Even he can't even buy her lunch. And so, of course, what happened was exactly that. As we watched their marriage, every, you know, he, was, he got nervous because he thought, if I, if I make a decision, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And so then you, then you see them a couple of years later, and they say, he never makes any decisions. He won't even buy me anything. He never buys me a present. And I'm thinking, because he gets in so much trouble when he does. So she didn't understand that position, the position of just allowing him room to move, allowing him to have that bit of leadership so that he would just flow. I regularly disagree with people who are over me, who, are, who have authority over me. I regularly disagree. I, I'm often in a situation where we, we're with pastors who, have, who are older than me, have more experience, and they say something, and I, I submit my opinion. I say, yeah, but I maintain the position. I don't say, no, you're wrong. You need to know this, that, and then put them down and shove them down so they have to agree with me. I just submit my opinion this well what about this I think this and they might go no no because Ruth and I just that's okay I submit my opinion I don't but if they don't want to listen that's fine but with children who are under me my children I'm not like that not at all I, I I'm the boss so when my kids were little if they started to argue with me I say don't contradict me okay I'm the adult here, I'm right, and you are going to be quiet. And you listen to what I have to say, and you show respect. Do you understand me? They go, yes, mum. No, they go, yes. I go, yes, who? And they go, yes, mum. I go, thank you. Because in that position, I don't put up with disrespect. I don't allow them to try and put me down. I know the authority of the way it works. So if someone under me tries to put me down or boss me around, na, 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 na. But on the other hand, I maintain my position of respect to those in authority over me. So that's the way it works. It's a beautiful thing, submission. It works in all walks of life. And if we could just understand that, we wouldn't have so many issues. You know, we wouldn't be fighting one another. And men wouldn't feel like, well, what am I, what am I here for? What am I doing? What, I, you don't need me. And we put the men down and then wonder why they don't feel right because God understands the way he's designed men and women. And he has designed a position and it works beautifully when you let it work. It really does. When we bought our first home in Narara, in Arawara, Arawara Road, I, um, I asked God, I always ask God about big decisions like that. So God, what do you want? What, should we get it? Because I was very nervous. I was nervous about big financial decisions. I still am. <laughs> and um, I just felt I couldn't hear from God at all. I just had no sense of I just couldn't hear from God. I was praying and should we do it? Should we? And Chris was like, yep, we're going to get it. We're going to buy it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, babe. I don't know. And I just didn't know. I didn't know what to do. And then I remember 
Chris, I just thought, I, I can't, I can't, I'm too scared, I can't make the decision. So Chris said, we're going to buy it. So we bought the house. It was a brilliant decision. You know, it was our first home. It was perfect. We got it at a great price. It was perfect. And then afterwards, I said, I, God, I didn't hear from you at all. And I felt like God said, because I didn't say anything to you. I told your husband. And I was like, what? I was really surprised. I really was. He didn't tell me. He spoke to Chris because he wanted me to actually submit to him. So if I had said, well, I can't hear from God, so we're not doing it, we would have made the wrong decision. I, I was quite surprised about that. So, but that happens sometimes. So you want to be careful that you don't miss God because you're so keen to do it your way. But on the other hand, on the other hand, the Bible said submit to one another. So we've got to be wise in this and we've got to know when what's right and what's wrong. And I read this fabulous story in Kenneth Hagin's book about women. He writes a great, he always writes good stories about back in the, back in the South, he, um, back in the day. He said there was a, a lady called Mary and she came to church one day and his wife said, check what, check what Mary's got on her feet. And she was wearing gumboots. And the reason she was wearing gumboots was because her husband forbade her to go to church. And so he hid all her shoes. And so she was determined to go to church anyway, so she put gumboots on. And Hagen says she was a very meek little woman. And I remember her saying to me, I don't want to dominate him in any way. He's my husband. I respect him and I teach my children to respect him. But he's not taking the place he should take. He won't come to church. It looks like I'm going to have to lead in those things. Am I wrong? Hagen said, no, you're not wrong. You stand your ground. So she stood her ground. So God comes first. We submit to our husbands, but God comes first. If a husband asks you to do something ridiculous or asks us to disobey God, we must obey God. That's clear, obviously. If your husband says, go and murder someone, well, I'm not, you know, obviously you're not going to do it. So, I mean, I don't think we have this problem so much now of men demanding women to do this, this, that and the other. But if that is the case, we obey God. And it's the same with all kinds of submission. Our submission is to God first. So she stood her ground. But notice she was submissive to her pastor. Because she's realising this, this is a dangerous situation here. I'm, so she checks with her pastor. So she's, she's putting herself in coverage. She's covered. The only way into church, by the way, is under. You can only join a church if you're prepared to come in under, in submission. You can't, you can't come into this room unless you come under this ceiling, can you? The only way to be... Some people say, I don't feel like I'm in. It's like, are you under? Because if you're not under, you're not in. Some people come to church and they want to come in at the top. They want to come right in like this and tell us what to do in this church. It's like, no, come in under. It's safe. You don't get rained on. And it's the only way in. The only way in is under. So anyway, this woman, she held her ground and she ended up having prayer times with them and reading the Bible with her family. And, and Hagen says, old Joe finally got saved when he was nearly 60. He was nearly 60. So if we look back at Peter, it says exactly that. Let's look at what it says. Talking about wives being beautiful, being submissive, and making your beauty the hidden person of the heart, which you can't argue against purity, can you? You can't. Isn't that exciting as you get older, ladies, that it doesn't matter about the outward beauty that does fade a little bit, um, but, but inner beauty becomes stronger and stronger. And don't you love that when you know people and they're so stunningly beautiful, but then when you look at them, you realise, actually, you know, it's not like Vogue magazine would employ you or anything. Like, their beauty is so inside, they're so glorious that you don't notice what their face kind of looks like. Do you, do you, has anyone experienced that? I love that. I love seeing godly people and I go, 
I guess technically you're not good looking, but you're so stunning. You've got the glory. And that's what God's talking about. If we have that pure beauty and goodness and glory, no one can resist. Your husband certainly can't or your wife if you keep that kind of beauty. And he says, let, make sure it's that kind of beauty. He says, not arranging hair or wearing gold or putting on uh, clothes. Now, clearly he, some people have taken this to extreme. People take everything to extreme, don't they? It's not saying women can never arrange their hair and they can never wear gold or never wear clothes because the word there is clothes. Clearly it's not saying you don't wear clothes because that would be awkward. But it is saying that's not to put all our emphasis on, on these things. It's not don't spend all our time at the shops. Don't spend all our energy and I've got to have the right ring. or I've, Don't spend all this time doing your hair. Just have the balance. So... There's a balance there that the beauty comes from inside. Again, some people, there's whole religions, whole groups say women can't cut their hair. Again, Hagen said that, you know, he had, there was a woman evangelist and she she cut, all the women had to have long hair and she cut it. And they were like, oh, you've cut your hair. It's against the scripture. You're spending more time on your hair. And she says, no, I'm spending less time on my hair. It was much harder when it was longer. And she said, God told me to cut my hair. And so we fuss about these things when... The Bible is speaking about balance and we can see that. So we we have this. And then it says here that we are to be like the holy women who trusted God and made themselves submissive to their own husbands like Sarah. So Sarah was, she was a beautiful woman of God. She obeyed her husband. She called him Lord. Has anyone ever called their husband Lord? Have you? I have occasionally called Chris Lord. And I have done it accidentally. I've been praying and just talking. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I've been talking to the Lord like, God and Lord and Lord and Jesus and Father and God and Lord. And then he interrupts me and comes in and I go, all right, Lord. I mean, oh, and he's, he just, okay, we'll go with that. But I'm like, it's an accident. So I have, I have occasionally done that. But here's an interesting thing. Sarah obeyed Abraham, but when at a certain point she disagreed with him, in Genesis 16:6, she said, I want you to send Hagar away. And Abraham didn't want to. You know, he didn't want to send that, his concubine or other wife away with her son. And he, he felt uncomfortable about that. But listen to what God said. God said to Abraham, listen to whatever Sarah has told you because Isaac is the seed of the nation. Sarah was right. That's the, the son of the flesh and the son of the spirit needed to be separated. And she was right. And God... Followed her, followed her up, backed her up. And so he wasn't sort of like some ancient feudal warlord and she had to obey everything he said. They were a couple. They talked. They had a relationship. And so Sarah is given to us as an example of someone who's obedient. Well, there's an example of Abraham listening to his wife and being sensible about it. So it's, it's just common sense. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious and it's, it's what we've got to follow. So that's submission. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It puts us in the right position. It puts us in the position to win our husbands, to win them. If they are disobeying God or they're in the wrong place. Let's move on to husbands. This particular part in 1 Peter 3 doesn't speak as much about husbands as some other ones. It says husbands similarly, so in a similar way, that pure heart, getting along, live with knowledge and give honour to your wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So this is interesting. It says 
live with knowledge. So that knowledge is, is understanding, it's knowing what's going on. There's a lot of men that sort of make jokes about, you oh, you can't understand women, ha, 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 joke, 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 you know, who can understand them or I don't get my wife and all that sort of thing. Here the Bible actually says live with them with understanding and that word live is a particular kind of word. It's not just another word like stay. It's not staying, it's together, be together, live together, understand, work together. It's a very strong word for live. It's like dwell together. And it says with understanding. So men, you are actually required to understand your women. You need to. You can't just go, I don't get it, whatever. I just, you know, you know I, don't, I just stay in the same house with her. It's you live together and you work hard at having knowledge about this wonderful, fabulous woman that God has given you. And, and it's very important to know who your, who your wife is. You don't dismiss them. You don't just, just say, well, I don't, I don't get them, so I'm not going to respond. You need to understand your wife. I've written here, don't know what kind of a woman you're married to. You need to know, have knowledge about your wife. Some, if your wife is disobedient or difficult, you need to know that. If your wife is very perceptive and discerning, you need to know that. Know who you're married to, men. Know what kind of a woman she is. Understand her so that you can bring out the best in her, but also so that you know when to not listen to her. I see some men listening to their wives, and I'm like, don't listen to her. She's not wise. She's not telling you the right thing. And they go, oh, my wife's really spiritual. And I go, no, she's not. <laughs> No, she's not. But it's like, don't you need to know that? A wise man understands his wife's strengths and weaknesses. Some women are very merciful, but not necessarily discerning. Other women are very discerning, but not necessarily merciful. So men, find out who your wife is, and then you can be a good leader to her. But if you don't know who she... I just thought that was a great thing. Live with them with knowledge and give honour to them. Physically, obviously, they're weaker. Maybe sometimes emotionally, maybe not. I don't know. But definitely physically, we're weaker. And then it says, they're heirs together in the grace of life. This was radical in when this was written. The idea that the woman was a joint heir, women did not inherit anything in those days. They, they didn't get nothing. And they're saying, she's a joint heir. It's like, what? That's right. So there has to be real honour and real love and a real understanding from the men. So we can just see that God has shown us how to live together. And look what it says here, that if we do that, it says for husbands, your prayers will not be hindered. That's interesting, isn't it? There's a couple of scriptures in the Bible that speaks about prayers not being answered, either because you feel bad and guilty when you pray because you've been unloving to your wife and so your prayers don't work very well, or you're so unsettled that you're not feeling good or you're just in sin. The Bible says that, you know, if we regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So that's just so powerful that your prayers can get hindered if you mistreat your wife. And I think it works for your husbands as well because if we look further from 8 to 12, now I haven't got time to get into all of this, but it says, finally, all of you, and it's, it's saying the same thing, have compassion for one another, love one another, be tender-hearted, courteous. You know, Chris was talking about this before. He said, if you would love life and see good days, who wants to love life? Who wants to say, I want to love life. I want to have a great life. Let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. 
But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So I believe God wants to bless our marriages. And he gives us clues there. There's several other passages about how to be a wife, how to be a husband. He wants to bless us. He wants us to have to love life. You're not going to love life if you've got a miserable marriage. So we've got to find out what the Bible says and do it. And it goes on to speak other things there for, for all of us. It's the same for all of us. Just do these things and we'll find life works better. And I think it's interesting because he says to everyone, if we do these things, God's eyes are on us and his ears are open to our prayers. Praying is amazing. It's amazing to see change, to see results. But he's saying we've got to obey. Here it is here, obey first. We don't get to go to God, I'll do whatever I want. And by the way, can you do this, this and this for me? He's like, how about you start by submitting to me and obeying me And then when you pray, we'll work together on it. Amen? Praise God. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.